This is a teaching message from Church of the Living Water of Austin. Go to Philippians chapter 3. We have been in dubbing, I mean, we have, we have, we are in a place in this teaching that you all have, have got to grab a hold of this. Please grab a hold of everything that we are teaching. Do not let it slip. Do not let it get by. Do not let whatever you're in, or whether it's relationship, a new job, a new, a new uh, spouse, a new whatever, don't let nothing get you off track from grabbing a hold of this truth and holding it tight. Amen. And here, and we're continuing on the subject of pressing toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God, which is in Christ Jesus. We're pressing. Everybody say pressing. Toward the, the mark for the prize of the high calling. You want a high calling, then you must press. You must, God has given you every tool you need to press toward the mark. So we're continuing in this teaching. And we've taken it from this passage of scripture in the book of Philippians and we're following through on it. And when I read them, don't just read over it, you know, haphazardly. You need to understand what it's saying. In Philippians chapter 3 verse 13 it says, Brethren, a church of the living water. I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Let us therefore, as many as be perfect, be thus minded, and if anything ye be otherwise minded, God shall reveal even this unto you. So if anything that you have been otherwise minded in these teachings, God should have been revealing it to you. If you had a wrong thought about forgiveness, God said, I'm going to reveal it even unto you because you had a different thought pattern of it. But now I'm showing you how you must do. I told you that there must be a consistency in order to make progress, to grow, to develop. Consistency is key to every part of walking in the things of God. Consistency, actually consistency is key in every area of your life. Whenever you want results, just be consistent. Did you hear me? Whenever you want results in any area, just be consistent consistent. Amen. I told you that my intent is for us to follow the instructions of God in the time that we live in and in every area of our life, in every time period, in every span of time, in every dispensation of time. We need to be able to follow the instructions of the Lord. The purpose of this teaching, I told you, I want us to glorify God by honoring Him with our lives. I want us to remain in His will because why? His will is always right right in front of us. So we need to have that. And then we also said that we want to mature, be perfected and developed and be mature. And let me tell you, one side of maturity, you're not easily offended. If you're a person that's easily offended, you are immature and you need to grow and develop. 
A person that's mature is not easily offended. They ask God about everything that they are offended by before they get themselves in trouble. So a person that's mature, you're not easily offended at all. Amen. And I told you the goal of this teaching is that we hit the mark. Not come close to it. Not just try to get to it. But hit the mark for the prize of the high calling of God, which is in Christ Jesus. Then I told you to go to 1 Samuel and go there now and rest there for a moment. Chapter 30. And we'll get to it. And I told you that we start dealing with disappointments. You know, it was many things that we talked about, but disappointments and how disappointments. You're never going to have a disappointment-free life. Just get that out of your head. You're going to have disappointments in life. I don't care how happy you are now. Disappointments will come. Amen. And you can have disappointments about your past experiences or your present experiences or even things that you think that's not going to happen or you want to happen in the future, but you don't think they're happening because of this, that, and the other, and you're disappointed. Amen. But I told you also that we should reconcile our situation with the truth. Whatever you're going through, whatever you're thinking, whatever got you loaded down, you got to reconcile that with the truth. Don't tell me you don't know the truth because we preach the truth every Sunday that we hear, every Tuesday. Anytime that we come together, we are preaching truth. You got to take your situation, your circumstance, and reconcile it with that truth that you're given. And because you belong to this ministry, God is always going to give you truth because he's always going to help you right where you are. So sometimes when I'm teaching something, I don't have to con- consider, or, you know, was that for them, everything. Yeah, it, I know it's for you. I don't care if you think that it's not for you. Everything is for you. It might be right then at that very moment. It probably not, uh, won't be, or it might be, but you'll, you'll come up on it and you'll be like, oh, yeah, I remember them teaching about that. Yes. Then I also told you it doesn't matter what you've done in your life. Or what you're doing in your life at this point, God can still be glorified in your life. Sometimes you make mistakes and you be like, well, I don't know. Everybody's going to look at me that way. They're not going to take me serious about this. Are they not going to do that? No, let me tell you, I don't care what you've done. You get into the things of God, God will be glorified in your life. He'll make sure of it. And then we said, well, we're learning about disappointment, and we spent a couple of Sundays on this. We must learn to forgive. We have to learn to forgive. And I'm telling you, we did a lot of talking about that. And I know it hit people right there. I mean, you know, it'll hit you in a, some kind of way. you start feeling some kind of way when you talk about God's perspective of forgiveness. Because ours is different. But we must line our forgiveness up with God's perspective of forgiveness. Amen. I told you that forgiveness has to do with your position with God. It doesn't have anything to do with the person personally, even though you might 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 uh, 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 get to talk to them or apologize to them. It's not about that. It's about your position with God. Because remember, forgiveness is an internal thing. God is working something out internally in you. If you start thinking about forgiveness has to do with a person or specific person, no, God said, no, I'm dealing with you on the inside. It's an internal thing. Amen? It's you standing right with God. I want to be in right standing with God, no matter what the situation is, no matter what the circumstance. I have to be right. I have to learn how to forgive God's way, not our way, because, you know, people think forgiveness is this, and they think it's that, and they think it's all kind of things. But in the last two weeks, God has taught us what forgive His 
forgiveness is and how to forgive the proper way. Amen. And then I told you I want to make sure that that you uh, that I cleared up any interpretation that you might have when I'm when we're talking about God's form of forgiveness because I don't want you to you know get get all off and think you know okay well then uh, if I forgive somebody you know they need to accept my apology and and they need to do this that another it doesn't have anything to do if they don't accept your apology it has nothing to do with your true forgiveness because it's an internal thing some people might not even know that you forget for uh, uh, forgave them or you haven't forgiven them I mean or you haven't spoke to them on uh, being forgiven or they haven't did you it doesn't matter it does they owe me an apology they owe me this that listen forgive them you might not ever get an apology so we talked about forgiveness at length amen and remember i told you that uh the married people you you understand that very well you know what you need to do and then i told you that we don't raise grown children you tell them to be grown and, you know, we do raise children that live in the house with, with us, and we make sure we instruct them in righteousness. But grown children, no. We, you train up a child in the way they should go, and when they're grown, you let them be grown in every area. Because, you know, they'll play that number just like, like they did when they were children. They'll play grown in some areas and a kid in some area. Grown in this area, but then I need you in this area, and I need you there. Then, no, you need to be grown in every area. Amen. Because you're grown now. And that's what you need to repeat. You know what? Uh, you're grown. Did I say you wasn't, shouldn't give them advice? No, I didn't say that. I said you're not raising them. You're, you're going to always still be a parent, but you're not raising them. You can give them advice, and they're going to take it or leave it. And that's that, because they're grown, because you're going to do what you want to. When you get out of your parents' sight, you're going to do what you want to. Amen. And then whatever choices they make, you know, get ready for the, get ready for the consequences of your choices. Now, when I say get rid of the ready for the consequences of your choices, it doesn't necessarily always mean bad consequences. There are good consequences for your choice. There, I mean, it's straight across the board. So you might, if you made the right, right choice, you're going to have good consequences. If you don't, you're going to have bad ones. You're going to indifferent ones. It's whatever. But whatever choice you made, just be ready for it. Because consequences are going to come whatever choice you make. Amen. And then I told you uh, that, and, and I gave you some examples but about Adam and Eve, and I told you how God forgave them for doing wrong, but he put them out. Somebody texted me and told me, I love that. I love that about them putting them out and locked the door. Yeah, put the angels there, locked them out. And, 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 but he loved them. He still loved them. He made a way, you know, because he sent Jesus. How do you know he forgave them? He sent Jesus. He didn't send. Je he wouldn't have to send Jesus if he hadn't forgiven them. And we talked about Abraham. Abraham did some things, and he had to deal with Ishmael. And God, I mean, hey, when when his wife Sarah said he, your, uh, Ishmael got to go, and he didn't want to because that was his son. Consequences for your choices. God said, "No, listen to your wife." I've forgiven you, and your wife have too, but, we, but listen to her. So those types of things we have to understand, that choices and actions have consequences. Choices and actions have consequences. Amen? 
And then we have to understand that in this forgiveness, and, oh, and I, I love David, because David, I mean, God showed great forgiveness for him, but he didn't remove anything. See, sometimes we think once you're forgiven, God is going to make everything be No, everything's going to be, see, God forgave me, so everything ought to go the way I want to. No, no, no. David did many things, and one of the things was he brought war to his home, and God said, you are forgiven, but war will never leave your house. And then went right back and said, you're a man after my own heart, but you're going to go through this. And can you imagine the hurt and the pain that David have to went through seeing his son killed? Absalom and, and you know seeing his, his daughter being raped by her brother all those things brought about consequences and he had to go through them and God had already forgiven God doesn't erase things that you set into motion because whatever, whatever you do sin or righteousness it's within the choices that you make it's already built in and God's not going to magically take it away none of that it's going to happen. So David had to go through that and love the Lord the same way. Remember when David's son died? David cried and cried. He was, the son was sick and wanted and all that. But when he died, he got up, he washed his face, he cleaned himself up, and the people didn't understand. They said, now David, you was crying and you was all sorrowful when he was alive. Now that he did, we're looking for you to be really sorrowful. And now you washed your face and, and, get, and David so began to start praising and began to get everybody going and everything. And they, We don't understand. Well, I won't come, he won't come to me and I'll go to him. And I got to get going with what God has called me to do. So forgiveness, God will forgive, but make sure you understand in that forgiveness there are consequences for your choices. Amen. And this aspect of forgiveness is the aspect of position. Then we remember we talked about a position with God. We talked about forgiveness where sometimes it alters your whole relationship. And we have to be okay with that too. Every relationship that, 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 Jesus, that God forgave, it altered their relationship. It altered their relationship about many of things. And that is just a position. Sometimes you'll never have that kind of position again. But forgiveness is that. Forgiveness must be there. I don't care what someone has done to you. Forgiveness has to be there. Then we said that you have to let it go, let it be, and leave it alone. Whatever the situation is, you got to move forward. Whatever someone done to you, leave it alone, let it go, let it be, keep moving. You got to keep moving because as long as you stay stuck with it, as long as you keep messing with it, the, the all you're always talking about it and arguing about it and bringing it up, then you are still connected to that and you have not forgiven. You got to let it be, let it go. And then I told you, if you can't let it be and let it go, you know, uh, you, you're not going to be able to let it be and let it go until you leave it alone. We love to pick at things. Let's leave it alone. If you want it to heal, leave it alone. Did you hear me? If you want it to heal, just leave it alone. Amen. And then we, 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 we move on. And then I told you about even a husband and a wife, and I, I showed you how to get along. I'm like, if you're all in the same room and you still got arguing back and forth, somebody leave the room. Just leave the room. We talked about that last week. Just, just move. Just say, you know, I'm going on to the next room and, and go. Please don't get into the last sentence syndromes. I got the last say. Mm-mm. Just don't because everybody's going to have less. And let me tell you, a woman's going to always have the last say. Because after they get through and they act like they don't have the last say, then they can say, well, okay, well, let me just ask you this. That's a, that's a last sentence syndrome. I'm going to get one more in. And for God's sake, please don't do for the record. Because she got one too. If you got a record, 
I'm going to have a record and she's going to have the last. It's very rarely that the men's, men's going to have the, the, the last say. Amen. So, but you don't have to do that. If you go into the other room, it's done. And if you have anything that you've hurt your spouse about, then it is your requirement because you have made a lifetime commitment to be with that person to make it right, to make sure that it's here, to restore your relationship. Amen. Then we got down to and where we left off at is that we have to encourage ourselves. See, we're moving on for forgiveness. Now you have to learn to encourage yourself. And that's the main thing. Learning how to encourage yourself is a big deal. I must encourage myself. To encourage, we said, means to strengthen. Now, how am I going to be strengthened? You'll learn. When you be, learn how to encourage yourself, you will strengthen yourself. Sometimes you have to give yourself strength. And strength is the ability, strength and ability, it's almost synonymous. They, you know, they kind of mean the same thing. you got to give yourself strength, and you give yourself strength by constantly, constantly encouraging yourself, but in the Lord. See, just encouraging yourself, because see, some people think encouraging yourself, oh, I'm going to encourage myself, I'm going to go on the trip. Well, no, well, that, that's not, because when you come back from the trip, it's going to still be there. you got to encourage yourself in the Lord. There's a difference. I told you to encourage means to become resolute or to make a resolve. That's see, you got to come to a resolute. you got to come to a resolve. Okay, this is that. So how do I encourage myself? And because it is what it is. So how do I encourage myself in that? Amen. And at some point, you got to muster up strength for that. And so you muster it up because you what? It's going to be in the Lord. you got to bring it up. The courage, you have to make a resolve within yourself that I'm going to be courageous in this. Because disappointments can hit you hard. And when it hits you hard, you've got to learn how to encourage yourself because it's a, that's a hard place to be. Amen. And then we said, you know, encouraging yourself, it doesn't matter who you are, where you are. Everybody's going to have an opportunity to encourage yourself. Don't sit at home and get depressed. Don't sit at home and be down when you can encourage yourself. It'll bring you straight out of stress. It'll bring you out of uh, confusion. It'll be, if you know how to, to encourage yourself in the Lord. If not, all you're going to do is let that thing go around and around and around and around in your head. And that's what you don't want. Are you with me? Amen. So at some point you have to have, to have internal strength, courage, and a resolve to get you moving. And internal. See, I don't care what you're showing people on the exterior where you, you know, you just showing, no, no, no. But internally, you have to come to resolve to have strength, courage, and make the resolve that I'm going to do. I'm going to encourage myself in the Lord. In the Lord. Again, I want to stress in the Lord because I don't want you to think I'm talking about. Because, see, a lot of times, a lot of ministries and a lot of people, they talk about the positive thinking and saying the right words. And the, the name it, claim it, and the, you know, let's decree and declare. And all of that's encouraging yourself. But all of those are mere words. we got to do it in the Lord, not just to say so, not just a cliche, not just something to say. But you got to learn how to encourage yourself in the Lord. And we could encourage ourselves out of the relationship you have with God. See, you have to have a relationship with God in order to encourage yourself in the Lord. Did you hear me? You have, because you're going to encourage yourself out of the relationship you already have with Him. Now, if you don't have a working relationship with God, there's going to be a problem. 
but, but you're trying to encourage yourself. You won't. And see, some of you have been thinking that you have a relationship with God, but if you have a relationship with God and you know how to encourage yourself in the Lord, why are you depressed? Why are you stressed out? Why come you can't get moving? See, thinking that thinking you're that you're one way and God is proving you through your words that you're another way, except God telling you, see, a lot of us, you know, some of us been in the Lord so long we think, Don't tell me I'm weak in God. I've been going to church for this um anybody can go to church. What have you been doing when you were going to church? In and out? Putting everything before God? That wasn't strengthening your relationship. How do I know when I'm putting everything, anything before God? Well, when it's time to go to church and you do something else that doesn't pertain to church, when you know you need it because you're helping someone out, you have now put something before God. You cannot be strengthening the things of God. Every time that you can get in the door, you need to be in the door. If you always put everything, every, always put God on hold, Trying to accommodate someone else, just know you cannot have a strong relationship with God in that mode. You cannot. God must be your priority. And God will make room for those other things. See, it's not like God said, just think of only me. I don't want you to have nothing to do. He's not doing it. God said, you won't allow me to instruct you on how to deal with it because you won't give me the proper time to show you how you should react to this. Instead, you're just doing your own thing. And you're getting the results of it. Amen? And when I, and when I say uh, encourage yourself based on the fact that you know God loves you. See, you can't believe that God doesn't love you. You can't believe that God is disappointed in you and he's not going to do what he said he's going to do. You've got to remember no matter what you've done, God still loves you. You got to remember that you got Jesus seated at the right hand of the Father forever making intercessions for you and right there. And he knows what you're going through. He's touched with the feelings of your infirmities and what you're going through. And he's speaking that to God. See, I'm encouraging myself. God, I know Jesus is telling you all the things that's going on. You know, I have to think and encourage myself on the God. You said if I stay in right standing with you, I'll always have the victory. I'll always have the victory. Now, you're still hurting, but you're encouraging yourself. See, the hurt don't disappear, but you're encouraging yourself. In the Lord. You say, God, I can trust you with all of my heart. And I won't lean into my own understanding because my understanding is off of everything that you're saying. And I'm going to encourage myself in you. God, I thank you that the Holy Spirit lives on the inside of me. I thank you that he's going to lead, direct, and guide me through this. This is a hard place that I'm in, but he will lead, guide, and direct. And see, a lot of times we think if when God lead, guard, guide, and direct you, it has to always look positive to you. It don't always look positive. But he's leading. Why? Because I have a working relationship with him. For example, just example, hypothetically, just example, say you have a child that can possibly go to jail. If they go, you can, and, and you've prayed, and you believe God, and they go to jail. You can't say, well, God didn't come through. How do you know that that's not God's... <laughs> All of that was God working. God said, didn't you tell me 
that you want me to do everything that, that, that needs to be done concerning my child? Because it doesn't look favorable to you. You don't know all the ins and outs. God does. God knows all the ins and outs. And then we get all down. Why would you get down by what you ask God to do? you got to sit and say, well, God, I don't see the end from that, but I just know I trust you. I'm going to love my child and I'm going to do this, but I'm going to trust you if that's what I need. See, because for the most of us, most parents, all we want to do is, Father, just keep them safe until they call upon your name. And so whatever it takes, God said, well, I'm going to have to let them go on and get incarcerated so that I can get them to a place. And but all you see is them being incarcerated. Instead of saying, God, whatever it takes. That's why God set up ministries like ours that will be going into the jails for those types of things. They'll hear there what they won't hear with you talking. And so you have to be okay. Are you happy? No. But I do have joy. Why? Because I encourage myself in the Lord. God, I see you working. I see, I can't believe they seem like they're actually happy. No, I'm, I'm encouraged because God is faithful. My child ran away from home. Well, God, I thank you wherever they are. Go read about the prodigal son. Go read, I mean, encourage yourself and say, God, they're coming back because of you. Because of my relationship with you. And I'm, let me tell you, I'm being led and guided by my relationship with you. And I love you, God. And whatever you see fit to do, I'm good. It don't have anything to do with what you like or don't like. It has to do with God doing his will for your life. Are you with me? So you want that. You, that's strengthening yourself. Amen. And oftentimes, people, I'm telling you, believers do not have a strong relationship enough with God to be able to handle disappointments. You think you do until you're disappointed. And then you fall all apart. you just in a, in a pickle and you're all that. That means your relationship is not that strong. Because you have to have a strong relationship to push through. And again, I told you last Sunday, there's more anxiety, stress, stress and depression among believers than it is sinners. And that's sad. That's sad. Those that say they love God. See, if I ask you how you doing, because I can, you know, you know, the Holy Ghost don't have to tell you. You could read people. Oh, okay. Uh, well, I already know. You're depressed. You're down. You're stressed. Why aren't you encouraging yourself in the Lord? And I have an expectations. I have an expectation of leaders. And, 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 and again, I'm not saying because disappointment is going to come to everyone. It's okay. And you can come and talk to me about whatever's going on. But I expect you to be that example and say, you know what, I'm encouraging myself in the Lord through this. And listen, I don't care what your children do. I don't care what anybody do. It has nothing to do with you. You have nothing to be ashamed of. It's not you. You have nothing to be bothered about. It's not you. It's choices they make. You just hold your head up and say, I've done all that God has told me to do, and you push forward. You push forward. 
and say, God, nobody, let me tell you, nobody's looking at you like you were a bad parent because grown people make choices. And let me tell you, the enemy will put that on you like, well, if they, you know, if you would have did that. Oh, your children will even put it on you. Well, yeah, well, you didn't tell me. Well, you know what? It's a little too late for that. I told you all you needed to know at the time. You needed to know it. And you should have been growing and developing. You did your part. You're a believer. You're consistent with the things of God. How do you think you missed it? They missed it. See, I don't want us parents to be all caught up in it like, oh, if I would have done something different. No, you did what you were supposed to. You know what? You're not going to make anybody. I don't, if, you're not going to make anybody. God doesn't even do it. You're not going to make anybody do what you want them to do. They're not going to do it. And be okay with that. God is. God said, I'm not going to make you do anything. I'm going to tell you and you do what you want to. I'm instruct you, and I'm gonna give it give it to people to instruct you. But you do what you want to. Just be ready for the consequences, because it comes with it. And the parents are gonna always try to give them the best they can. But if they don't take it, if they do take it, be okay with it. Again, parents, any choice, any choice that your children make, if they've gotten out of your house, it's not on you. Any choice that they make while they're in your house, then you must deal with it as an, a parent that's raising a child. Are you with me? Amen. Now, I think this is where we left off, and this is where we're going to begin. With, and I think I slowed down here because I really wanted to, you all to get this. When things are discouraging, we have to know how to encourage ourselves. And I've not said this thing that I'm saying now publicly, but I will say it to my church family, and it can go public now or whatever, but just in my, my uh, prayer time. And I have told a few people in private that I, in my circle that I talk to. But I believe this with my whole heart. This and the time that we're in is the beginning, everybody say beginning, of a sustained period of time of difficulties. Wrote it down for a reason because I want you to remember it because when things start materializing, you're going to say, God said it through my pastor this time, this time ago. I believe that this is the beginning of a sustained or a prolonged period of difficult times. Now, what I'm not saying, I'm not saying that it is the end of time. I don't want you going away and say, oh, my pastor say, you know, the rapture's about to come. I did not say that. I said that we're in. And remember, God has been telling us all year long something else is coming. I believe that this is the beginning of a prolonged period of difficult times. Now, again, I don't believe, because of what, how God is dealing with me and in my prayer time, that this is the end of difficult times. See, a lot of times, because the pandemic, we do, we're a little more freer to do things, we think it's the end. No. No. This is not the end of a difficult time. And see, I think people are looking for the end of a difficult time. So it's like, okay, okay, well, we back up. Okay, well, everything's opening up. Like it's the end. But I'm telling you, 
it's the beginning of a difficult time. Are you with me? We want to put everything up under the blanket of the pandemic. You know, because this, and the pandemic this, and the pandemic that. And see, I don't believe that the pandemic is ending and going to make this the end of difficult times. Now see, this is what y'all don't get. And I want you all to get out of the mode. See, right now, I'm prophesying to you. But see, we think prophesying has to be like, oh, you know, da-da-da-da. That's how you miss it. That's how you don't listen intently. Now, if somebody came with the title of prophet and then called you down, and did, well, now, that's a word. But I'm telling you, with my relationship with God and what He's speaking to my heart and what He's speaking to my life and what He has shown me, this is the beginning of difficult times. That's the reason why I believe this. Because of my relationship with God and what He's laid on my heart. And when I look at what God has laid on my heart and I look at this world in which we live in, you see it every day. When you look at that and you, you see all the signs are there. All the signs point to it. But see, if you're not looking, you don't see it. And everything is pointing to different things. And God has been getting us ready and with our hearts and our minds together for this season. Everything that he's been teaching. He's been getting us ready for this season that's upon us. This difficult time. I know I'm not your favorite prophet. Your favorite television evangelist. And you probably won't hear it. And you probably won't, you know, you probably won't even take it serious. But I'm here to tell you, God has been placing a word in our heart for this very season. And it's here. So in this, God took me back to September 18th. He said, you know how you encouraged yourself in me and got through? This is what's going to need to be done in this season of difficult times. You're going to have to learn how to encourage yourself. And tell the congregation, they must learn how to encourage themselves. Why? Because you're not going to be able to count on people to encourage you in these times. Because they're going to be going through difficulties. So you're not going to be able to count on someone else. God told me, you're not going to be able to count on people in the congregation. You better learn to encourage yourself. In the Lord. You have to encourage yourself. Yeah, let me tell you what you're not going to wake up to. You're not going to wake up to next week or the week after next or next month and turn on the TV and they're going to say everything is all right. We're getting back to normal. Don't wait on it because it won't come. And if it does come, it's a lie. Because, you know, you got to throw politics in there too. They're going to play that game. But you've heard it here. But some of you will trust the politicians over your pastor. Oh, we say all politicians lie, but you believe them. 
When they say happy days are here again, don't believe it. It's the beginning of difficult times. Look at the environment. Look at the economics. Economically, we're in trouble. Socially, we're in trouble. Racially, look, all the signs are there. Racially, politically, health, everything, mental health, the signs are there. Morality, human compassion. If you look at, I'm telling you, if you just look at any major indicators, and so you need to be aware of life events, just human life. If you look at all of that, you have all of the warning signs. That's the things that I've named. Just life itself. All of the warning signs are right there. See, we don't look at it. We just, we're so busy making a living without looking at the warning signs. Every single major thing that makes up human life Listen, right now, in the natural, the, let me tell you, there are warning signs. In every, every, everything that makes up human life is right there. All you got to do is look at Well, many of you discuss it among yourselves. You discuss those things. Because they're warning signs. And we try to make sense of it. Well, yeah, because they should be doing this, and if they did this, you know, if they would have did stimulus check, and they did this, and da-da-da-da-da-da-da. Warning signs is what we need to be looking at. Indicators. Everything is trending to the fact that even if, listen, that even if we plug one problem, another one comes up. Have you noticed? Okay, that's done. But now he'll get something else. Notice things. You plug one, something else is coming. Just wait on it. It's coming. It's right there. So I believe and I know because of the Spirit of God that this is the beginning of a prolonged difficult time. It's not, we're not coming out of this quick. We're not coming out, this, out of this quick. That's why you better be patient on everything that you're doing because difficult times are here. But in these difficult times, God said, tell them to encourage themselves. Because you're not going to count on people to encourage you. You better learn to encourage yourself in the Lord. Be directed in the Lord. Follow His lead in the Lord. Encourage yourself. Because let me tell you, I'm not going to be able to count on other people to encourage me. You're not going to necessarily turn on the television and they're going to encourage you. When has the television ever encouraged you? Let me see what's on here. Oh, and by the way, ignorance is not bliss. It's just simply ignorance. Saying, I'm not looking at anything. I don't even watch that stuff. I don't want to look at none of that. No, that's ignorance. You need to watch. They're warning signs. All right here. 
And many of us have said that. I don't watch that stuff. Uh, 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 uh. And you know why you don't watch it? I'm going to show you. You know why you don't want to watch it? And you say, I don't watch any of that stuff? It's because you are discouraged. That's why you don't. Oh, no. Uh, uh, uh. And so you're so discouraged. You don't want to see what's going on. But when you encourage yourself, Lord, i got to see what's going on and say, Father, I thank you that that shall not come nigh my dwelling. That you know how to keep it. And then I go find it in the scripture where God kept people through horrible, horrible, difficult times. And I encourage myself in that. If he did it for them, he'll do it for me. So what do I do? Do I just claim that he did it for them, he'll do it for me? No. I go back and see the one he did it for. How did they live their life that he was able to do that? See, we want to quote stuff, but we don't want to go back and look at how did they live? What did they do? i got to study this person because God kept them. How did he find a water system in the, up under the ground and nobody else? I want to know what they did. Why did God give them the faith? How could God feed a widow when everybody's starving? What is it that God... Let me tell you, you had better learn to study them out. Not just say the words. I want to live like that. And these people that you can study out in the Old Testament that got these things, they were without the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was working around them, not in them. You got more power. You got, a, you, you got the Holy One living on the inside of you. Jesus left you with a gift. Jesus left you with discernment. They had to look for a prophet to tell them what was going on. God said, I put it in you where you can discern and know right from wrong. Know what to look for. Know how to look that way. And we just... Ding dong. Just busy making a living. I just want to make sure I have food on my table, money to shop with, and that's it. No. That won't encourage you in the difficult time. Because let me tell you, I don't care how much money you have. If there's no food to buy, what good is it? If there's nothing to buy, what good is it? So you just take it lightly and, you know, because it's never happened. So I don't see that happening. And that's because you don't have a working relationship with God, because I see it clearly. See, I already see. And some people may not like it, and you may not like the streaming, but I, I must say it because I don't work for you, I work for God. But I've already seen, eventually, and you already will see and you'll know when it happens. They're going to eventually have, and I told a couple of people in my circle this too. Let me tell you, they're going to eventually have homosexual schools. Where it ain't no gender bathroom. They're going to be pride school. Pride high. And guess what? And regular school is going to be like, we don't hardly have any students here. You know, we're trying to fill up one, two. Because let me tell you, that's next. Because why? It's coming to norm. Everything's normal about it. And you as believers, you, I'm, I'm going to show you how you haven't, been, you haven't been sensitive to it. You're looking at it as normal too. 
It's not phasing you that much no more. And and guess and, and guess what your your say is on it? Because we see it all the time. Just normal. That is not normal. And you gotta constantly encourage yourself in the Lord. That's not normal. That is not that is unnatural. Period. But if you don't, you will fall right into society and everything. Loving God. Still going to heaven. But all in it. It's okay. It's all right. It ain't never all right. Sin and again. And I like we were talking about in the children's ministry. And Minister Hill, he said it too. And we're not only talking about homosexual. We're talking about fornicating. Adultery. All of it's in the same thing. It's all in the same group. But I can see it. It's all coming. I can see it clearly. I said, oh, that's next. Why is that? Because while the church was busy trying to make a living and trying to be rich, all of these people was busy getting educated and getting in high position to push that agenda. And they got it going. They can get almost anything they want. Because we were busy playing church. And now they done got to in, the, in high places. See, that's principalities and powers in high places. That means high positions. And they are pushing whatever, whatever they want, they can get. And that LBGT, they can get anything they want. And it's not so much because they're, they're marching and everything. No, they got people in high positions. We're busy playing. But God said, well, I'm not doing what I've done in the Old Testament, because you got the Holy Spirit. I'm not going to get up and come down and destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. You better encourage yourself in the midst of it. This is the time that you hold your own and say, Oh no, this is what I stand on. I will not come away from it. But guess what? I know when people are convicted around me. I sent someone that's into that lifestyle, I just sent them a private note and let them know I love them. They usually always answer me back, but they couldn't. But that's conviction. It's conviction. And I'm okay with it. Because guess what? I'm going to write you again and say, just love you and miss you so much. Because I really do. It doesn't change. It's not no hate. I, I ain't into no hate group. I ain't into, ugh, they do, they do. All that stuff, ugh, that's nasty, all that. That's out. That ain't nothing. That ain't stopping nothing. You got to show them that this is my standard. And I don't move away from it. I told the youth and I'll tell you. Let me tell you. Nobody is going to yield with you telling them, that's not me. I don't do that. Okay. You got to tell them why it's not you. You got to tell them why you're not into it. Not just, that's not me. I don't do that because I don't go that way. Well, plenty of people say that. That's why they feel comfortable talking to you. But see, when you set a standard and they know it, you ain't even got to worry about getting away from them. They'll run from you. They'll be like, well, I ain't coming to her with that mess. 
I told the youth, I said, I bet you none of them. If I was your age, I know they won't, they would feel uncomfortable now because they don't want to see no senior citizen in nothing. But if I was your age and I was walking in the Word of God, it's no way they'd feel comfortable talking to me about that. Why? Because I would have set a standard. You got to set a standard and stay with it. Consistency is key. You can't go in and out. Are you with me? Y'all pull me into that. Where am I? So we have to encourage. Now, over in 1 Samuel chapter 30, a very familiar event is happening. You know, it's the life of David. David ran into a situation. He was out fighting and doing his things, and he was in battle. And he was out fighting one battle, and another one was going on at home. And a group of people came by while he was gone and took his wives, plural, at that time. That's what that was, it was able in their country culture to do, and it, and it was legal. Took his children and everybody else's wives and children. Did that also. Now listen, and took not only the wives and the children, but took all their possessions. I'm showing you how to encourage yourself in the Lord. Now I would say that's disappointing to come home and find out everything is gone. You feel like you are doing something good and you come home and everything is gone. I think that would be disappointing. Like right now, you're sitting here in church and you go home and you see your door is open and everything is zipped in there. I'd say you'd be disappointed. Wouldn't you? Be like, what in the world? And then all of a sudden a drop will come. You will be disappointed. Everything's gone. And so David and the people were dealing with great disappointment. As we pick it up in chapter 30, beginning at verse 1. And it came to pass when David and his men were come to Ziglag on the third day that the Amalekites had invaded the south and Ziglag was, and smitten Ziglag and burnt it with fire and had taken the women captives and were therein they slew not any, so they didn't kill them, either great or small, but carried them away and went on their way. So David and his men came to the city and, and behold, it was burnt with fire, and their wives and their sons and their daughters were taken captive. Then David and the people that were with him lifted up their voices and wept until they had no more power to weep. And David's two wives were taken captive. Ahinoam, the Jezreelite, and Abigail, the wife of Nabal, the Camelite. And David was greatly distressed, for the people spake of stoning him, because the soul of all the people were, was grieved, every man for his sons and his daughters. Look, but David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. And David said to Abathar the priest, Ahimelech's son, I pray thee, bring me hither the ephod. And Abathar brought thither the ephod to David. And David required of the Lord, saying, Shall I pursue after this troop? Shall I overtake them? And he answered him, Pursue, for thou shalt surely overtake them, and without fail recover all. Now watch this closely. 
David had to first encourage himself in the Lord. We saw that. Encourage. Why? Because the people that should have been discouraging him was ready to stone him. The people that was with him, they were ready to stone him. (laughs) See, that's how people get. They act like they're with you until something comes down. They'd be like, oh, no, uh-uh, well, no, no, no. The people, he had to encourage himself in the Lord. Hmm. So it's four things that I take out of this. To encourage yourself, letter A, I must separate myself. I have to separate myself from people and from the situation. In other words, I have to get quiet. You have to separate yourself from people because sometimes people are a discouragement. And sometimes people don't have anything positive to say to you. So you have to get yourself away from people. Away from the situation. I've got to get quiet. Sometimes pressing toward the mark for the prize calls for a little separation. You know, sometimes when things are disappointing, a disappointing thing happens in your life or in ministry, because that can happen too. One of the things I've learned to do is take time for myself. I have to. I separate myself. Just think about Job's wife. She was busy telling him, curse God and die. She was telling him everything. See, people don't a lot, a lot of times don't have this uh, encouraging words for you. Curse him and die. You just go on and get on. Uh-uh. His friends was making fun of him. Job needed a minute. Just need a minute. Sometimes you just need a minute to be away from everybody. Oh, that sounds good, but it's people in my house. Well, on your way home from work, stop in the parking lot at Walmart and be still. Just say, you know what? Woo! The children are there, and old nagging wife is there, and I just need to, I need some time to get some understanding about what I need to do about this situation. Pull over, Target, Walmart, them big parking lot. Just sit, cut the car off. Sit. Now, don't cut it off in Texas. Leave it on with the air. And... And just sit there. No, no, I'm, I'm serious. Just sit there and say, you know, before I go home, because there's a lot going on at my house. You know, because whether you believe it or not, your children are worse. They're going to be in and out, and they're going to do this. So you need time to ask God, should I pursue? What should I do, God? What should I do about this? Whatever the situation is, pull over before you get home from work. Well, I work from home. Well, tell them you when it's time to get off. Tell your wife or your husband, you know what, I'll be right back. I'm going to do a Starbucks run. Go sit in the parking lot of Starbucks. Get you a nice chai tea with almond milk. That's my favorite, so I just threw that out there for you. And just sit there and say, God, help me. I have to, you, know, you have to separate yourself sometimes. And it's okay. It's okay. If you can't get a moment of quietness, find a place. You know why? Because you're in a place or in a situation and it's hard for you to see clearly. So you need that. It's hard to see clearly when you're in a place. 
And you know, most people are so busy with life, they never take a moment to just step back and just look at their life. Because you're so busy just trying to make a living. You're so busy just trying to do this and you're trying to do that. And you need to step back and say, wait a minute, I need to just step back and get some quiet time about this life. We're so busy with life, just doing this and doing that and doing that and doing this. We're just busy. Sometimes separate yourself. Just take a step back and say, I I need this. And I know it looks bad, and this happened. You know, you, you, you have all that, and that has happened, and this is going on. But just take a step back. Take a breather and take a step back. I say, you know what, I, I, I just need some time. Because there are so many voices out there. And a lot of them are the wrong voices. A lot of them are the wrong voices. you got to know who to listen to and who not. And sometimes even the one with the right voice, you need time for yourself. And you know, that's why you need to separate because it's hard to hear from God when everybody's talking. You get everything. You know, you want everything. Everybody's telling you this, that, and other. Do it's hard to hear from God that way because they're telling you that. Mother's telling you. Your father's telling you. Your friends are telling you. You get. You need to spend some quality time by yourself and say, God, just show me me. I'm in a point in my life, in a situation in my life. I need your help. Get quiet. Now listen, again, it's hard to hear from God when everyone else is talking. And here's some advice for you, and I'll give it to you. Some may listen, but most of you won't. Listen, some will listen, but most of you won't. When you need to spend time and quiet time, put the phone down. Put the phone down. Just put it down. Walk away from it. I'm not talking about getting quiet in the car and you bet still picking it up, looking at the phone and, well, okay, 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 now God. No, no, put the phone down. Put it down. Leave it alone. Oh, Minnie, you're not going to listen. You're not going to listen. God's not going to slap it out of your hands. Don't look for that. You need to put it down. Just put it down. You know, when Pastor Hill passed away, and when I came home, and everything was going on, and people was blowing my phone up, texting things, I didn't want to talk to anybody, and I didn't talk to anybody. I did not want. Now, my sons got on the phone, and they began to call people, listen, that were close to us in our circle. That's what they did first. And family. And they stopped there for a moment before we start spreading it out to everybody at church because they were going to be disappointed and they were going to be shocked and hurt too. But you start there and then put the phone down. Because let me tell you, when all you're doing is on the phone, you call calling somebody, yes, so-and-so died. They'll be like, what? How? What is that? Well, I don't know yet. i got to get called back. See, no, put the phone down. You don't, you don't need to. Sometimes you need to stop. Say, I'm not talking to nobody. I'm putting the phone down. When you're in a situation, circumstance, leave the phone alone. That's our problem. Put it down. 
Cut it off. Put it in the drawer and shut the drawer. And just say, you know what? None of that. I didn't talk for pe- to people for days. And I didn't want to. It wasn't that I didn't. My sons them held everything down. They would talk to people. I didn't want to. Because I needed time with God. Because I was hurting. I was discouraged. I was disappointed. So I didn't need to talk to anybody. And again, no one could encourage me. You know why? Because, you know, and that's the first thing people always say. What can I do? Can I help you? No one could give me what I wanted. So why do I need to talk to you? And I know it's a polite thing to say. But I knew if none of them could give me what I wanted. I wanted him home. And not a person could do that. So I didn't need to talk to anyone. I didn't talk to people. Maybe about my, my sisters was calling me. My brother called me. And they were blowing up my phone. And they were texting me. I never text back. I never answered the call. I didn't. I just wanted to, you know. I don't care if they were family. See, that's my family. I'm going to No. At some point, sometimes, you got to just step back and say, no, I got I to gotta, I gotta hear from God. Because my heart was hurting. And I wanted God to, to fix this. And I said, you're the only one that can fix it, God. And God quietly said in my inner man, they'll just let me fix you. And I'm like, no. Fix him first. God said, he's fixed. And I'm like, no, I'm not okay with that. God said, let me heal you and you'll be okay. But see, but see, I was by myself. I was quiet. I wasn't around a bunch of voices. And my sisters, I have four sisters and a brother. And all of them, they wanted to encourage me, but I didn't need anything from them. I didn't want anything from them. I mean, they talked, I mean, people talked daily. And my sons would come to my room and everything and said, we talked to so-and-so and they, I did not care. I did not hear it. I didn't want to hear it. My mother-in-law called. I didn't talk to her. I didn't want to talk to anyone. I needed my time. Why? I had a situation. I had a circumstance. I had a disappointment. I had a discouragement. And day in and day out, I had to keep reminding myself of what God said. God gave me a month of remembering and he said, now get up. Now get up. You can't be too busy for that. And that's just my story. Your story may be totally different, but it's the same principle. And I'm going to say, let me tell you, that that putting the phone down, I know that sounds harsh, especially if somebody dies. 
Nobody really needed to know but people that were very close to us and people, my family. That was it at that time. And let me tell you, getting on the phone and telling somebody that somebody died, guess what it won't do? Resurrect them. You know, we think the more people we tell, they think they're going to come back alive. So-and-so, I don't know. I don't know. I have to get back with you on that. You know, well, I mean, like, okay, well, so-and-so needs to know. And so-and-so, why? Have you noticed when somebody dies, it gets around whether you ever say a word? I never told one person that Pastor Hill passed away. But everybody knew. Put your phone down for a minute. God is saying, if you want somebody to talk to, talk to, instead of getting on the phone, talk to me. There's your answer. Oh, I need to talk to somebody. No, I don't want to talk to Pastor Hill, but I, I just need to talk to somebody. God says, well, talk to him. Just talk to him. Talk to God first. If somebody died, if you would talk to God first, all these people won't be around your house dropping off chicken. Because everybody's been on the phone. All of a sudden, everybody's bringing chicken over to your house. <laughs> and people have come over creating stress and drama. Because you just, it, 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 you didn't need all of that. I wasn't for any of it. I said, I don't want anybody here. I don't want to see anybody. I don't want nobody coming to my house. I don't want any of that. See, a lot of times we do all this traditional stuff and we think that I wasn't having any of it. Cause I did, I, and let me tell you, and I knew everybody at church loved me and loved their pastor. I, know, I knew that. But I didn't need that at that time. I didn't need you hugging my neck. I didn't need any of that. I didn't need nobody telling me. You know, I, I don't need you to tell me how good my husband was. I know how good he was. You don't need to tell me what kind of man he was. I know what kind of man he was. And if he would be still alive, we would have been married 48 years. I know, I know what kind of man he was. So you, you, I, I didn't need to hear all of that. And that's not being harsh. I'm trying to show you how to encourage yourself. I'm showing you how to encourage yourself. Now, I know somebody tomorrow is not going to listen to me. You're not going to listen to me. I already know. But at least I can say I said it. I said it. Sometimes you have to just take a step back from the situation. Just step back. Sometimes you need to just take a step back from people. So people are not discouraging you and distracting you. Just step back. And some are not intentionally, they just, that's, that's, it is what it is. And that way you can see the situation clearly. And so that you can hear from God. David separated himself from the people. And then let her be, seek the Lord. Do you know why David asked for the ephod? The ephod is a vestment or a covering. That's what an ephod is. It's a, uh, a specific thing that you, uh, uh, that you wear, and it was um, 
let's see. The ephod had a symbolic meaning. So when you brought that and you put it on, it was like a covering. And remember he told Apathar to bring me the ephod. And the ephod is a representation of being in the presence of God. Being in the presence of God. And seeking a word from God. That's what the ephod meant. When so I put that on, I'm in the presence of God and I'm seeking a word from the Lord. Old Testament. So David separated himself and then he asked for the ephod. And he was asking the priest for what he wanted to put on. In Old Testament times, again, putting this on means you were in the presence of God. And you could get a word from God. Let me ask you a question, church. Do any of you have a place where you pray? I mean, do you, do you have a spot where you take devotion? Where you spend time with the God? Just your own spot and your own place. Do you have a time of day that you go to God? That's a regular, consistent thing that you do with God. If you do, that's your ephod. That's your ephod. We don't have to put on the actual cloak. We're, we're in another dispensation. That was like David putting on Jesus. We already have him. But when you have a place where you spend time with God and you pray and you consider the things of God and you're asking for a word and you spend that quiet time, you can put your ephod on in the car at Walmart. I got to get in your presence, Lord. I need a word. I need a word. Everybody wants everybody else to put on their ephod for them. I don't want nobody putting on the ephod for me. I want my own ephod. I want to be in the presence of God for myself. I want to hear from God and I want a word from God for myself. Because people won't always be around. Your pastor may be busy. And I'm not saying you can never come to your pastor because sometimes you, you have to. That's what God give you an overseer for. But you better have an ephod for yourself. I want to go to God. I need my own. Now when you're discouraged and disappointed and you're trying to press toward the mark, you got to go to your ephod. See, you have to make sure when you're discouraged, listen, you don't stop coming to church. You don't stop streaming. You don't just start getting late. You don't come in and out, bouncing in and out of church. I come once or twice a month. No way. You got to make sure when you are discouraged that you are here on Sundays, you're here on Wednesdays, and any other time that we're teaching the Word, I'm getting in there. You have to make sure that when you are discouraged, that you know where to go pray. 
that you know where to go read God's word. You have to have an ephod of your own. Because see, if I don't have a place where I separate myself, and I also don't have a place that I can put him on and start seeking a word from him, I'm in trouble. In other words, I have to get in the presence of the Lord and get out of the presence of others. Did you hear me? I've got to get in the presence of God and out of the presence of others. I have to start seeking Him. And I, how do you seek Him? I seek Him through prayer. When I'm discouraged and disappointed, I have to go to God in prayer. And once I go to God in prayer, because I live in the New Testament, then I can just stay in the state of prayer. <laughs> it ain't like I can go in and go out. I don't have to. I can just stay in a state of prayer. I can ride to H-E-B and I'm still in a state of prayer. Thank you, Lord. Why? Because I'm pulling myself out of this situation. I'm pulling myself away from people. I'm getting, uh, you know, I'm not getting caught up in what everyone else is saying and what everyone else is doing. I'm not. So now once I've inquired of the Lord, now I ought to handle the situation, whatever he tells you. And he will speak clearly, like he's doing this morning. Now I'm in a state of prayer. And I have quiet things around me. Now God will start speaking to you. Because you're nice and quiet. Nobody the children ain't on top of your head. And you know, you're not worried your, your your bills are paid and you're not worried about the lights getting cut off because this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine, won't work. But you get, all of that is situated and now i got time with him. See, we're blessed to live in the New Testament times. You also have the Holy Spirit. Hmm. So even if I don't know what to pray, as I ought, if I have the Holy Spirit he's down on the inside, giving me what to pray when I don't know how, know how I ought to pray. He's there to show you that this is how you ought to pray. And I'm seeking Him. And He'll begin to speak back to you. And He'll begin to, then you begin to encourage yourself. But you have to separate yourself. I have to seek the Lord, let us see. I have to see His will. You've got to see His will. And when you start to separate yourself from the people and the situation and seek His will, you start to get off of the disappointment. And God starts to refocus you in His will. Not until then, you're going to, you'll see as you make that prog progress in doing those things, I'm telling you, God will, will start pushing off that disappointment and refocus you on His will. His will. His will for your life. His will for that situation that you were talking to him about. Whatever situation that have you down, God has his will for how he wants you to handle that situation. He has it. And he wants you to be able to see it clearly. 
He don't want you to say, oh, I don't know if that's God talking, if that's me. I don't know, you know, I don't know if that's what I really want. I don't know. No, God said, no, no. Get into a place where you will know clearly what I'm saying to you. Listen. You'll also begin to see when you get to this place what you actually gained and what you actually lost. Because, see, in a situation you think you're losing something. But when God clearly shows you and you get into that place, God will show you what you actually gained and what you actually lost. Because, see, if reading back on David, David and those men had not actually lost anything. Because the, 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 his wives and children, they were being preserved. Remember, not a one was killed. They were being preserved. Sometimes once I seek God and see his will, you might find out, you know what, I hadn't really lost anything. Or I, I hadn't really lost what I thought I lost. <laughs> and you may have gained something that you didn't know you had. When you get into that position, when you are in the place and have your ephod. In your place where you can spend time with God. In your ephod where you are spending quality time with Him. And being quiet and listening to Him. You'll find out, oh, I really didn't lose anything. Or what I lost that I thought I lost. Oh, no, I gained something. But you got to get there. Last but not least, letter D. You just start moving. You just start moving. Start moving in other words. Obey the instructions that God is getting, getting, uh, giving you. And then you have to get up and get moving. And one of the best ways to encourage yourself, listen, have you noticed movement automatically strengthens and encourages you? Those of you that work out, you can attest to this. As you start moving, don't you get stronger? Because now you're moving. Don't you feel encouraged? You know, you'd be like, okay, one more. One more. See, you're encouraged. And now you're feeling good. You're feeling better. Because why? Now I'm moving. But have you noticed when you're laying in the bed and you slug it, you just can't get it going. Yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to get up. I don't want to. I don't want. Yeah, yeah. But once you start moving, strengthen you and encourages you. Let me tell you this story before I close. When Pastor Hill transitioned, my body did not want to cooperate. I did not want to cooperate. See, I had to get up and I had to get in the shower. God was going to meet me there, but I had to get up and go. God, are you going to meet me there? And sometimes I stand in the shower and seem to me like for hours, you know, till the water starts getting cold. And you're just standing in there just letting it run on your back. And I would say, let's go, body. You can do this. And I was like, no. And each passing time I had to command it. Let's go. I just stand there and I'm like, I don't want to. I want to go lay back down again. 
And God would whisper, still small voice, you got to get up and get out of here. And I'm like, I don't want to. With each step, with each step, my body started to respond. I started walking in. Finally, I cut the shower off. I didn't, it wasn't, the showers wasn't so long until the water got cold. Started getting hot, and I got out. I went a little further. You start putting on lotion. You start putting on whatever else you're doing. And you, you start moving. That means your body's responding. Listen, each step, my body responded to my will. I was willing it. We got to do this. See, your body's going to respond to your will. It responded to my will. Now, if my natural body can respond and get stronger, just for the simple fact that because I willed it to move, how much more can you be strengthening God if you would just will yourself to move in that direction? It'll work. That's how I got back. I willed my body to get up and let's go. We're going. We're going. Get up. So make up your mind today. I'm going to do what God says. Will yourself to do it. Do you know that's, a, that's the strongest mechanism God gave you? Your will? You can will yourself. I don't feel like it. I don't want to do it. But I'm going to obey God. That, that, you know what that do? That gets your feet on the floor. That'll just get your feet on the floor. Because I'm starting to encourage myself. I done came up. And now I said I'm going to obey God. No matter. I don't want to get up. But I'm, I'm getting up. And I'm going to obey God. My feet are on the floor. And I always remember this. God will strengthen you when you obey. See, my feet's on the floor, but I still feel kind of weak. But God said, now I can give you a little strength to get up. But you got to separate yourself. Seek Him. Seek Him. See His will. And once you see that, you will start moving. And I promise you that. I'm a living example. You'll start moving. But if you never move... You never move. My sons, they always tell me with their workout regimen, they always say, Mom, just just get up. Me and my oldest son, we used to walk all the time and laugh and talk all morning long, you know, and we put weight vest on. He said, Mom, we used to have a weight vest on it. You, you'd really be into it and everything like that. And he said, you, you just got up one day. I said, yep, it was my will. I willed myself to do it. All you got to do is will yourself. And I told him, I will. And he'd say, come in here, stick his head in. Are you going to? do it today? I said, I'm not willing. Not today. I'm not, but when I will to, I'll get moving. It, it's a will. It, it's not, I don't want to. It's a will. And once you do it, then you get to roll it. Then what? You become strengthened and you come in, become encouraged. Because then you start seeing results. And you know, we all like results. Learn to encourage yourself in the Lord. Don't wait for somebody to encourage you. You encourage yourself. And when those bad days come, and those hard days come, encourage yourself in the Lord. If I'm walking out that front door, my son said, where are you going? I said, I'll be back. 
Where's she going? She always, where's she just going? I need my time. And it's not that my grandchildren are making a bunch of noise and I'm doing that because they don't. They, you know, they have their own space or whatever, but it's not that sometimes I gotta just get away and I can see clearly, I can hear clearly, I can do all of that. Mom, where you been? I said, just taking care of business. Just taking care of business. And most of the time I like to do it in the wee mornings of the, you know, one, two, three o'clock in the morning. I really like that because it's just silent in the house and nobody. But then about three o'clock, everybody starts moving in the morning. So I have to try to get it between that time. I want to encourage you. You want to get moving? Get your E5. Stand to your feet. This has been a teaching message from Church of the Living Water at Austin. For more information about our ministry, please go to our website at livingwateraustin.net.